0: Welcome to the OTL Podcast Christmas Special. You all know the script by now with Beer 52. You can sign up at beer52.com forward slash Airdrie. you get your first eight beers for £5.95. It'll let you try what they've got to offer, and if you stay with them, you move on to a monthly subscription. But Airdrie's about to go into tier four, and I know that the West End Bar and lots of other bars in the town could do with your help. So look out for home delivery there, and support local if you can. Damn. Welcome to the OTL Podcast. It is a Christmas special and we are quite deliberately uh, going to try and stay away from the current results uh, or the current situation about the club and just have something a bit more light-hearted to try and end a rubbish year. Um, So I'm delighted to be joined by two of our regular panellists, well if I can, Andrew I'll go to you first, becoming, <laughs> becoming a regular panellist I'll uh, say that, a, yep a star in the Ukraine after we you know, appeared <laughs> on a, a, a podcast based on, I don't even know if that is a Ukrainian podcast or just the guy that interviewed us is in the Ukraine is from
1: the Ukraine, yeah. oh
0: well it was in the Ukraine it sounds more exotic to say it was a, a Ukrainian podcast and it has had two and a half thousand listeners which is more than they got when they did Wraith Rovers and broth. so there we all know Airdrie's a bigger club anyway uh, <laughs> and promotion <laughs> and uh, I've got a st- an absolute stalwart with us from the start, Alan Porteous. Alan, it's d- delighted to have you back on. How are you? Hello, I- I'm fine. I'm I'm just kind of interested to know if that guy from
2: you UK- the Ukraine did he ask for your bank details before <laughs> you went on and did the <laughs> you-, you you did the co- the, the uh, podcast it- with him? It that- was
0: very confusing. It was like a brummie. He just loves it. He, t- he teaches English over there, but I was expecting something a bit more like a Bond villain. But uh, no, actually, <laughs> <Just> give me. <laughs>
2: Just give me your sort code and your account number,
1: Colin, (laughs) and I'll take a pound out your account and I'll give you it back just just to make sure that you're on. Have you been getting those weird emails, Colin? The same ones I've been getting
0: from the friends in Nigeria. But but so we are trying to come up with what what would be good to speak about, and and one of the things that sprung to my mind is we are all still uh, we're all still fanatical about your dream. Ultimately, I mean, as much as we might moan about things from time to time, that's only out of a kind of fanaticism. And and uh, I mean, Alan, you've written for OTL over the years. You you, you do this, uh, Andrew. You've started your blog this season so I mean, I, what I'm trying to think is when we haven't been blessed with success over a long period now what is it that keeps us wanting to travel about the country or even worse tune into various qualities of live streams and, and watch Airdrie so Alan you, you of, of all the people we have in the podcast uh, I think you're probably the most loyal in terms of uh, oldest just- Oh, what would this be a there? <laughs> nah, you find John and Brian are there, but you, 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 you certainly, <laughs> right. even, even when Airdrie are having a bad season, it always strikes me that you're prepared to go down to Stranraer, up to Peterhead or whatever. Um, So, so, I mean, that's one part of it, but what is it that keeps you hooked on Airdrie? Um, I think I was going to come up with something quite sage
2: about the whole, it's the hope that kills us and it's that, the hope of improvement and the want for Airdrie getting back to where they should be. But I kind of think it's, it's more that feeling that I'm going to miss out if we do well. I think if we, you know, I'm, I'm petrified that if I go and see four shit games, the fifth one will be absolutely brilliant. And I'll, and it, it frequently is, it's happened over the piece that I've got the flu or I've, I've got something else and I don't go and we win five nothing. You know, it's, it's, it's that, that type of thing. So I, I, I do feel that there's that missing out in the big wins is kind of part and parcel of it. I think as well that I've watched a lot of rubbish here to games over, over, over my time, but I kind of feel that if it tipped the balance and I never went and I chucked it for a while, I'd like to think I've at least got a wee bit of sporting integrity that I, I wouldn't want to come back in many ways if we if we got good again. It's that kind of glory hunting type, yeah. of, type of thing. I would honestly, if I somehow went beyond the pale and I just gave it a miss, uh, and we got good. I, I just couldn't bring myself to to come back either. So I've just got you've just got to keep with it and and, and hope that it uh, that, that, that that it comes right in the end. And I, I think in a more positive sense, and maybe maybe over the last few weeks, it kind of got brought to mind that it's not been great football and whatever. But Robert's goal against Cove. See when the ball hits the back of the net like that. You know, I was in, I was in my uh, my dining room watching the telly, watching it in the, the iPad. And I was off my seat, you know. And I'm like, "Oh man, I didn't see it coming." But oh, that was that. That feeling is just unparalleled, you know. And and you don't that that's the sort of hook. You keep waiting for that to happen, even when you know you you'll put up with 180 minutes of garbage for that one second of brilliance, probably, you know. Just 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 to just to see your team score that that goal and think, you know, for that for that next ten minutes or whatever that that I we're getting better again. And that's it. That's the that's the turning point, you know? So I, I think that probably
0: sums it up for me. Andrew, we you started watching it, was uh, was the last throws of the when yeah. despite the club being an absolute shambles and and when I've spoken to players from that era, like not having not having training kit, not having a place to train, Ian McCall still almost went out and won the first division. So so you still Started watching it with a level of success, and then the 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 first few years of Idril uh, United, um, was still an ambitious team. We were spending, and we and we won uh, the league that we're now in. So you have had a high to start off with, but then like the rest of us, the the years where it's not been as good. So so what's what's kept you interested to the extent that you want to then commit time to to doing your blog this year?
1: Yeah, no, I know what you mean, and success is obviously relative. You know, getting. Up to the second tier of Scottish football, wouldn't necessarily have been regarded as success, um, and not too long ago for a club like Airdrie. But um, I think with there's a, there's a couple of different things. Like you say, we had a good team when I started watching them. When I was first getting introduced to it, we had a decent enough side. Um, cup finals that we won. You know, when that's your when that's your first sort of sight, that's a significant. Um, Kind of way to hook you in that helps, but um the, the other side of it is I like I mean you like the sport you but you're a football fan. As Alan says, are you going to go watch someone else if you decided to pack it in because the success isn't there? Are you going to go watch someone else? You're not, and you're you're going to miss everything about the football experience beyond sitting and watching on your couch. I know that's what everybody's having to do now. Um, and everybody misses the hell out of, um, of going to a game. So imagine if that was what you were doing at all times. I couldn't imagine picking a different team to go watch if I chucked it with Airdrie or if Airdrie hadn't have been. That,
2: that was always a big question at the time when Airdrie were yeah. kind of going down the tubes. You know, people were sort of debating when Could it looked like they were really yeah. not going to be there. Would you actually just jack football in altogether or would you go and, would you go
1: and watch somebody else? Could you create an allegiance with somebody else? Juniors, maybe you could go to a juniors thing and watch that instead because there's a a level of enjoyment there that you could do. But you wouldn't be able to form the same kind of bond or the same kind of commitment to either. That's the kind of thing that you would maybe do if the weather was nice and a few of your pals were going down. You could get a beer and watch the game at a junior ground. But I don't see how you could do anything else. For me, there was always something... I kind of reveled in the fact that I supported a team that nobody else I went to school with supported no one in the street supported I wore a strip that you know out playing in the back that no one else would have worn I kind of read you brought, were it. you brought up in Coatbridge? Cumbernauld <laughs> Cumbernauld so it's all it's all, um, Celtic fans or Rangers fans and the Man United fan from down the street um, whose dad was um, born and bred Manchester so a couple of Man City, City fans now as well <laughs> exactly.
0: When you see um, kids now, anytime there's a picture in an advertiser of a, a soccer camp, it is it's all uh, it's all Barcelona and Real Madrid. Yeah. So it's not it's not even like it's Rangers and Celtic anymore. And, and your heart jumps with joy when you see an Edre jersey, but it, but it's very rare.
1: I think there was something about that 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 I enjoyed, that I revelled in. I liked the maybe it was a wee bit contrarian, but I did like that there was something different. And then it ties in with the match day experience as well, doesn't it? When you're when you're at one of the games, there's something. I don't know if the word is honest, but there's something about supporting a team at perhaps you might say a lower level, a smaller support, that it's perhaps intangible. You can't quite put your finger on what it is, but there's something, in my opinion, different about it, something special about it. I've got a mate who doesn't support a football team at all um, but loves football and goes to the Scotland games, a big Scotland supporter. But he doesn't have a club side, and I can't, I can't picture myself having the same level of enjoyment of the sport if I didn't have a horse in the race. You know, I think that's something. It just adds an extra element to it, and whether we've <laughs> kind of like what Alan was saying, low of averages, we're going to get there eventually. It's going to come around where we'll have a a couple of right good seasons. That's it's got to go on forever. Um, and I've got a few years on you, pair. So hopefully, there's more chance of me seeing.
0: Uh, me. You talked talk that up in the Ukrainian thing, like I was mates with your dad. I don't know. I felt quite <laughs> I bad. About that. <laughs> uh, right, but Alan and Alan, for a different angle, on I mean, you've written, you've written the book, uh, which we will come on to again. because you hide your light under a bushel? Far too much with that, but uh, the glory hunting book. A lot of that must have been based on your journeys watching Airdrie but it's more the way reading it I'm thinking things you've got almost like a photographic memory or you deliberately take in all the sights and sounds around whatever pub you're drinking in before the game what the stadium's like the the local area why did you bother to look up the history of the clubs although given your own style I couldn't tell what was real and what was false when you're doing these these (laughs) club histories The stuff
2: stuff that was false was, the sounded false was probably false. In fairness, (laughs) yeah, you you do find that when you dig a wee bit into some of the histories of of Scottish football clubs as they have been written by their the scribes over the years, are not the most interesting. And I kind of get the feeling that if they didn't embellish in any way in terms of details of things, I would maybe take a wee. Sentence that they had written and make up my own backstory to it. It was probably far more interesting than <laughs> than, than the, the the reality of it all. I, I can I can remember read I can remember reading uh the, the the kind of potted history of Comarnet Football Club and it was one of these books and I got it out of the library or something. Thank goodness I never paid for it. Um, but it, it literally had about three hundred pages of old black and white photographs of guys with big moustaches and. Big long shorts and things like that, and that was it. it. There was literally no history to it at all, and I thought, "Oh my god, I'm going to have to write a book, and I, I'm going to have to write a history, a, a potted history of this this club." So I had to kind of make it
0: up. So apologies. But basically, for... you went around every, not every week around in Scotland, but kind of the ones that we would, we as Edinburgh fans would be used to, right, mm-hmm. and, 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 and maybe some of the, the bigger ones that we don't visit that often, but but we have done. Um, so. Is it almost like a a travel hobby for you? Is part of the enjoyment for you going out and seeing these, these places so that when we do get to go to Cove, hopefully this year, um, that that's, that that's, there's enjoyment in even just going there and seeing what that club's got to offer. Right. I think, I think, I think there was that. And I think, and, and to be brutally
2: honest, I did do quite a bit of specific research into that whole thing as well. The things that it's amazing what you don't remember about places that you think you've grown up with and you know all about. So myself and a couple of my mates certainly had away weekends to go and research Cataudry again and research Dunfermline and whatever. And to be honest, it just became a nightmare because I was going there with all my journalistic integrity and we just kept getting drunk and, and I would lose my notes or I wouldn't take notes at all or um, couldn't remember any of it when we went back. So I ended up having to go and do it all again. I, I, I pretty much went everywhere, everywhere twice.
0: You know that old thing. I just wants to apologize. <laughs> uh, and Andrew's travel oh, I mean who who'd you go to games with, Andrew? Is it so? so you mentioned that when we spoke before your is it still you go with your uncle? Or have you got some I'll, I'll go a with bunch my of mates now, actually. or how does it work?
1: Yeah, I go with my girlfriend now. Um I've got her I've converted her into following as well. I, she she
2: says that. She says that. My wife used to come with me as well. <laughs> wouldn't get wouldn't get caught dead now. Used to be, Oh yes, Alan, I'll, of course I'll come. I love Airdrie. And you say, you want to go to the game now? She goes, no. Nah. <laughs> I was
1: lucky. She's always liked football. Um her her dad coached with Stenhouse Muir's kids for a while back before they moved back once they'd moved here from Cyprus where she'd played um for girls girls football there as well so she was into football as is um and came along to the games and enjoyed the how you you knew the players could hear all the shouts from the fans and the sort of brutal shouts from the old men just giving everybody absolute dogs abuse she cracked up at that thought it was great so we've gone to quite a lot of away games together and made a weekend of it um made a night out of it and whatever and I love that aspect of it, it's great, you get to go to places in Scotland that you might not necessarily go to, enjoy a wee bit of uh, nightlife, well, <laughs> that's what we did do, and we had plans to do that this season as well, Like we were going to go up to Cove, um, I don't know that that's going to happen now though, because that's Valentine's weekend, well February anyway, <laughs>
0: Valentine's <laughs> night in Cove,
1: Hi, that's, yeah. that's what you're a you romantic devil you. That's what she was getting. Her Valentine's treat was an air-tree <laughs> game off at Cove. <laughs> All right. He's She's a keeper. girl. <laughs> but that's probably going to get scuppered because I don't think we'll be, if there's fans, I don't think it'll be away fans by February. I don't think there's enough of the vaccine that that would be feasible. But that aspect of it's great. Um, away trips. Um, and as Alan says, getting to go to these different places, that can't, Claim to have gone there with any just journalistic integrity at all. Gone there just to like with Scotland. What, what's your favourite?
2: Your, your what's been your favourite away trip with your girlfriend? Um,
1: good question. I would say the Falkirk one for the result. She would say the East Fife one for the weekend.
0: A weekend in Metho.
1: Aye, well. <laughs> I <get> <laughs> a good time? A nice, a nice <laughs> hotel on the coast, about twenty minutes drive through the stadium. Um, which was easy enough in a taxi down there, drinking the bar before the game. That great wee bar they've got in that new stadium. Um that I mean the bar itself is a fairly standard bar, but it looks out onto the onto the pitch, it's kinda of raised up rather than the one you know, the only one at Erdby's in the bowels of the stadium. And has a
0: kind of wee bit of a grotty feel. I like that. I I think we've touched on you guys have touched on most of what I was saying. I think there is something just in being part of a communal experience. And I do think you missed that just now. When we won at Falkirk last year, I mean, that was an incredible uh, yeah. feeling. What what a buzz. Uh, and we'd have been the same one Sunday. But while it was still great, and you're still jumping up and shouting at your laptop or whatever, uh, you do just miss the, 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 the like the congregation of Airdrie fans, and the way that you can then wind up the the, the Falkirk fans. I mean, I remember them all streaming out about yeah. five minutes to go last year. It's brilliant, it's, it's great. Um, and yeah, is that it, those even just a couple of those days a season uh, is enough to, to, to keep, uh, it keep, does. It keep you back for that other hit? It does the, the match day experience, uh, it's a big part of it, so it's a big absence this year. But, but Andrew, what, what's what's lacking in watching just a live stream. It
1: is that communal experience, isn't it? That's exactly what you've said. It's that shared sense of joy at the last minute goal. It's the shared sense of despair at yet another despair and defeat. It's that sense of a burden shared is easier to bear and you know, joy shared is <laughs> amplified. It definitely is. Um I even love that the smells and the sounds and getting to see players up that's what i really miss and that's the i think the streams are for what they're having to do and why they exist perfectly adequate for what they are um it's better than not having anything but not being able to see them in detail not being there and have them right up close in front of you i miss that a lot um you get a you do get a, I don't understand why but you do get a better feel for a game and for a player when you see them In person, I've always felt even though you get to see more of the pitch on a telly than you might do from your seat, there's something about being there that you, whether it's because you can see the whites of their eyes, whether it's because you can see their style off the ball because the camera's going to follow the ball, particularly um, certain types of cameras that are used, it's going to follow the action. Even when it's the professional television production companies, they'll follow the action. You don't necessarily see what players are like when they're off the ball conducting themselves. There's something about being there, in the thick of the action, that you just can't touch. I don't even really like watching football on the telly in a normal season. Um, I go to as many games as possible and watch it that way because it does. There's, there's just no substitute for it. There's no replacement for it.
0: What about you, Alan? I mean, I would. I would say it's that the whites of the eyes is a good point. You don't see the players' expressions on on these live streams. You don't. In fact, you struggle to an extent to tell. Who's who, uh, whereas when you're at the game, you are able to see just a much more reaction from from them. So I think you do you do definitely miss that uh, and the smells. It, the six and so I think that's where modern stadia falls down a bit as well because we sat in the main stand at Broomfield and I can distinctly remember the the strong smell of like the Alan, You remember the walk underneath, like the Damn. and aye, aye, but, but was, Broomfield but wasn't it? It was like it was and it was it was very strong. I wouldn't yeah. it. and liniment, and yeah. Wintergreen, yeah. <laughs> but what, 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 from my experience, anything else, Alan, that you think you're hankering for?
2: Yeah, I was I, I, I was, going to politely say yes about the, the catching up with my mates, but the collective grief, I think, probably uh, sums it up a little bit better, as as Andrew was saying. Um, I, I kind of miss, you, you mentioned that the match day experience, I kind of miss my wee walk to the game, parking my car, and that wee. And I'm always quite expectant. I know you'll find that quite difficult to believe, but I'm always expectant of a victory and I'm trotting my way along there. I've looked forward to the game all week and that walking down uh, the road and seeing the stadium and whatever and I get a wee bit excited, you know. I'm kind of missing that a wee bit. And, and obviously being a you know centre, main stand at Broomfield, a child of the centre stand, I kind of miss my the, the ability to voice my displeasure at the the management, I think probably, you know. It's, it's just it's it's ingrained in my blood. I really need I need to have a shout if it's not going well, and I find that, I find it's not the same shouting at my iPad or shouting at my wife <laughs> or shouting at so those those would be the things for me.
0: With that, with that, that's another point of it. Like when you when you score the win and go, you all burst into song together. If you do that on your own, you just be a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, so, so, yeah.
1: Oh <laughs> no, not having that should I have? <laughs> but, okay, Kyle Connell stuck at me two yarder and uh, half a yarder and I know um. Alan, you were saying about when uh, Thomas Robert scored that goal against Cove in the, that moment but that moment when that half-yard tap-in goes in for Kyle Connell on Sunday, that had me on the roof, that was brilliant
0: <laughs> I did quite like the, the disbelief from their commentators as well, so it's so, like the, the hope in their voices, yeah, really, you, you, <laughs> you could completely appreciate, or oh, as no, a goal <laughs> Because
1: um, who's it that puts the header in, is it a, a care that headers it and yeah. the keeper saves it the boy obviously thinks that he's going to score when he gets the head on it because you hear the, the co-com go, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's delicious. I even miss, I tell you I miss the shouts for the stand that like, like Alan's talking about. I miss that because even at um, Scotland games and, and the other games, you always end up with some like regular contributors, if you like, from the side yeah. who will come in with the safe. Sometimes it's like terrible shouts that or, um, or an
2: intolerant wit. I like the intolerant wit.
1: Yeah.
2: Someone that, and even if it's just a big sweary, if it's at the right moment, it's a big sweary and it's really appropriate, there's nothing better. Comic timing. Have, yeah, you got a, have, you,
0: have you got a favourite football be. shout? Either just a generic one that you always like, shoot your head at because it's just... I mean, people losing it over throw-ins, is all, which I do. Uh, oh, he's doing five yards. <laughs> well, what's the point? <laughs> the ref is not going to stop the game. But you let that kind of thing annoy you? But any favourite shouts from the stand? Used to always be... I don't know if he still goes to the
2: games or not, but there was, there was always a guy that, that used to shout at Airdrie. So that's a very Airdrie-specific one. He always used to shout, come on, Airdrie, into this Glasgow scum. And it didn't matter who you, you would be playing. You would be playing between the <laughs> South or you'd be Inverness or something, but he would rattle us, into this Glasgow scum. Um, and there's a, there's a couple of guys behind me, and, and one of the guys always says, send in the Air Force. So when we get a corner and the big guys are going up, he always shouts,
1: they're sending up the Air Force. Get the Air Force in. I love that. That's brilliant. My favourite of all time, my favourite of all time was uh, I don't know if I've told you this before, but um one of the games, one of the last games I think when Finlay was manager, not the last one, but one of the last ones, we're getting beat. Um, game's nearly finished, and a couple of boys behind us are saying to their pal, right, Moan, let's get out of here, I'm letting to go. Are you coming? Are you coming? And he says, No, I'm staying to boo. <laughs> He's like, no, I've, I've paid my money. I'm wanting to get my boo in here. I've paid good money for this boo. I'm ready for it. I'm prepared. <laughs> Stay in boo. That's my
2: favourite one. That's brilliant. And it, and obviously there was nothing would, you would imagine then that he's not said anything. He's not sworn or he's not done anything. He's, just ah, he's going, kept these pieces <laughs> the whole time.
0: <laughs> There's a the guy that's... He that felt good up. for doing it. <laughs> There's a the big guy that sits up near us, Alan, who's got the loudest voice and uh, the big, big, bald guy. Uh, he's been going for years. Like the, and, and, uh, like and the, the, Apparently when Sandy Stewart was the manager at training, they all just used to shout to him, Oh, Stewart! Because that was uh, how he always introduced <laughs> that the shout was coming. I mean, usually he's, he's quite hard to listen to, but there was a game when Airdrie just... It was the week where we sold Scott Wilson, the centre half, uh, and we, we had quite a thin squad at the back. And Neil McGowan and Another went up for a ball and headed each other, right? And they were both out, so you've then got no defensive cover. and I remember them just kind of looking around, going, Oh, and Willie Wilson, cult hero Willie Wilson, was in the bench. Uh, and Kenny Black shouts, Why can we get in this way? <laughs> just shitted. Oh no! Sandy <laughs> <And like, laughs> Stewart and Kenny Black turning to give him daggers, but the whole main stand was just an uproar because I, and I, I, Willie Wilson was uh, in that team that won the won the league. Uh, but he was always one of those who uh, got got a lot of abuse, uh, whether fairly, fairly, unfairly or not. Uh, and it was uh, just kind of summed up the moment quite well. I did. I do always remember that one. I think I is they get a quite high pitched voice. Uh no 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 but no. we'll point him out when we get back in the ground. He's 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 famous but you know he's 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 always got something to say. I always Sandy Sandy was quite good with a shout as well. I remember uh when Bobby Donnelly was with us on loan and he was he started the game and he was having a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. It's like You're, uh, Stevie Wonder playing up front, and then Bobby the went on to score a like, hat trick in that game. <laughs> so I've <I'm just> <laughs> Sandy big like, like that. Sandy's, the, 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 I think it's the voice. I think you can the, the guys that can really carry it uh, and sound sound quite so, so cutting. Uh, cutting uh, is uh, the word. Uh, 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 cutting a bit, a bit of wit to it. Uh, it's, uh, it can live. It can be the highlight of a game if it's been. <laughs> yeah,
1: my other favourite one. It might have been Morton. I can't remember um, exactly who it was, but. You'll correct me if you remember the game. We beat somebody, it was either 5 1 or 6 1, I'm sure, and I'm thinking it's Morton. Um, and I ended up being late to the game. I come in after the first goal, and I'm just about to get into the stadium, and I hear the Airdrie support cheer. And I'm thinking, oh God, I've missed. That's almost certainly going to be the only goal we get. I've missed it. But um, when the last goal went in, it's either the fifth goal or the sixth goal, but I'm sure it was the sixth. The a fan behind me went, right? Oh, Guy's a break, Airdre! Because he was fed up cheering. He was fed up standing up to clap. He wasn't having it. Uh, obviously, a bit tongue-in-cheek when he said it. that. That's another one that I enjoyed.
0: Uh, right, Strip Club was the next thing that I had down. So, what's uh, what's your favourite Airdre strip? Is it, is it as basic as it gets? Uh, Alan, what, who, what what strip? Tell, tell us why you like it and what player? Because I always think that's quite a good... What player does it bring to mind when you, when you visage that jersey? All right.
2: I, I couldn't narrow it down, but I'll rip through them very, very quickly for, for and for there, there various reasons. I do like the Umbro one, the original Umbro one, um, not the one we've got just now, which I do like as well. Um, really like that original one just because it was a big proper brand. And I don't think we ever had big proper brands of football strips until then. So that was really good. I always remember Jim Roger wearing it. And I, I'm pretty sure it's because he was in the Panini sticker set so uh, apologies if I've got that completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure Jim Roger wore the umbrella strip and the Panini stickers thing. So I remember that one, really liked it. The original Buckta one as well, um, you know, the one that had the big mad logo on it, The, the one that looked like a big farm implement. You know, it was, you go, know, how did they come up with that one? I don't even know what that is. Um, and I remember Willie Maguire wearing it, and I think I've maybe mentioned this in a podcast weeks and weeks and weeks ago, um, because that strip was too big for Willie, and especially the shorts. The shorts were way, way too big for him. Um, but it was a cracking strip, and I remember Willie, Willie Maguire wearing it and diving around in it as well for many a penalty. And uh, another Buckta one, because those were home strips, and away, the, the, the away Buckta red with the white stripes was was a bit of a classic for me, with the kind of, the grandpa collar. And not for the player, I think more for the, for the team um, you know, Paul Harvey was in that team and, uh, who else was,
0: uh, Stevie uh, Gray. Eh? Stevie Gray, being that to strip the red. And I think we probably had it for, for a week. Well, I
2: think it might, th- might, might have been that, but, but it was like, it, it almost becomes synonymous with that game against Dinfermline, the promotion chasing game that we drew one each at East End Park. And, uh, Kenny McDonald scored the free kick as well. So it's, that's almost my favorite game, despite the fact that we didn't win it. Um, so that that strip in itself becomes a bit of a belter, and I had it, and I don't know what happened. I think my mum threw it out for some reason. She went th- and she went through it a number of years ago, saying you've left stuff in the loft or in a drawer, and I just said I just chuck it all out and I, <laughs> and I lost it. So bad news there. What about you, Andrew?
1: I think um, well, we're going to be on similar ground. So um, I have the away strip. The Umbro away strip from 80, they had from eighty four to eighty eight, and it's just red. Um, but uh, essentially, this summer during that brief period where you could um, see people from other households or you could mix, um, my uncle was showing me some of his old elderly tops, and there was one that <laughs> didn't fit him anymore by quite a considerable, um, considerable margin, and it was it was this one, and it had the number eleven on it quite frayed on the back, he'd actually got it off the back of one of the players after the game so I tried to figure out who it would, who it would be, the closest I could come to figuring that out was that um, quite a, it's a small, very small so you're thinking maybe a winger um, number 11 as well, so you're thinking it's a forward it's probably a forward based player so I reckon and this is based purely on googling likely candidates that it might have been Kenny Patterson's top who had 38 appearances between 84 and 86 um, before going back to Auchinleck Talbot, who he joined Airdrie from. Uh, but he's the right era. That's when we had that strip. Certainly that strip seems to have been our away strip, 84 to 88. And I had the number 11 on it. He was the only one I could find that it fit. So having that probably makes it my my favourite one. That it, was, it wasn't a replica top. If you like, he's managed to get it off, off somebody that's chucked it in at the end for for some reason. Um, a game he's went to. Um, he gave me a lot of his other tops, including the the butter one that Alan mentions, which is class, um, and a lot of the older ones. But they're all uh, more his size. If you like, more my uncle's size than mine. Um, look a wee bit tentish on me. Um, I really liked. I really liked last season's home top. Um, actually a um, Fairly plain uh, drama one that just kind of no frills. I'm a big fan of the current home and away tops as well, albeit the wee kind of grey silvery accents are more prominent on it than I thought they would be. Back when the promotional graphics were coming out, I thought they were a bit more subtle. On those, have you, have you bought them? Have you bought one yet? Have you have you got one? I have got one of both of them. Eh? I've not I've... bought the yellow one. I've decided to skip that one. Are are they, for anybody listening? Are they big fitting or are they the snug? What size they should we get? They are bigger fitting than last seasons. Um, last seasons were quite. Uh, I guess the polite term would be form fitting. Italian cut. <laughs> Aye, that's, that's maybe one way of putting it. Um, so I got a I got a small in both, and um, there is a wee bit of wiggle room in them. Um, those um, you could tuck them into your shorts, which I think a few of the players actually have been doing this season these kits so they are a wee bit bigger built i
2: think i could i think i could tuck a small into the underside of my nipples <laughs>
0: <laughs> i uh i got the joma one last year and i mean when it stayed in the packet because it was as kind of optimistic and i put that on the facebook page and everybody told me the sizing of them was fine so it must just be the, the years rolling on uh, i uh, for my favorite well, i'll go i think the first black with a red diamond away jersey, which was the EVIC, the Lesby and one. I really, I just was, wow, that's amazing. We've, we've, we've repeated that jersey now, probably five or six times. Uh, but even just a little white, uh, there's a white accent on the diamond. I think that one stands out to me. I really liked, really liked it. Um, but but yeah, I, I do agree. I think that the home and away tops this year are, are really good. It must be quite difficult for the club because you need to change it every year enough so that it's different. Right. But but I mean, the, the AVEC jerseys, the first ones, I thought were amazing. Uh, but then that second AVEC home jersey, which the diamond like, didn't quite complete on. I mean, when it, when it was tucked in, it looked like like stripes rather than a diamond. uh it was probably the worst ever. So you, you can't, it's like you, you can change it so much and then if it, you go too far, the fans go mad. Right, we're trying to stay away from current form, however. Football, I'm to stay if,
2: away from football <laughs> here.
0: If, if I was going to do a, a podcast just at the end of November, uh, I would have called it the Tam Rabb Show because he—I uh, just thought he'd an absolutely brilliant month. And uh, in, in every game that we played, uh, I mean, the game against Clyde, he didn't score, but he played a, a brilliant through ball. Goals against Forfar, and Cove, and the were all, they were all crackers crackers. Um, so, I mean, to start off with, what do you think of the young Frenchman? But then, uh, I hadn't. Wandering this, but just favourite kind of what we say, charismatic playmaker type players rather than just the brave players or whatever who, who sticks out as being mercurial. That's probably a better word for it. Uh, Andrew, throw over Tamrab. What do you make of him?
1: Yeah, um, I was worried. I was I bought into it when he signed straight away. I thought it was an excellent signing. It was exciting. I was quite keen on it. It was a chance to give the club a wee bit of profile as well, which was quite fun. Um, but to start with, when he wasn't really featuring much pre-season he was fe- featuring every now and again. Doesn't, wasn't he really doing much? I was a wee bit worried that um, we'd maybe been sold up pup. But uh, like you say, when he when he turned it on, he really turned it on. Some of his some of his play is exceptional. You can see that he's definitely got talent. You can see that this is his first season. You know, you can tell because there are times where he'll drift out of a game. But you get players like that, regardless of the stage of their career that they're at. Um, he's surprisingly robust. He's he's quite happy to go in and try and contest for a ball against what you might say are kind of physically bigger players. And he was doing a lot of that against Falkirk where he go in and try and win the ball um, and try and compete in that sort of environment. And surprisingly good in the air too. He gets up for his fair share of headers, but. Some of his touches, some of his passes, some of his, you know, close control and dribbling, and then the shots. Uh, He's he's been a treat, certainly in November, an absolute treat. Um, And you're just hoping that, I think as we've both said before, as I said in match reports, and I know you've said it a few times as well, you're just hoping that we get to the ground to see him up close and in person before he's off to bigger and, well, i am not say better, but bigger and different things.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, Andrew touched on it. I think it was excitement, excitement in a dark time, which was probably and that's probably not not fair on the lad, but much to do with his illustrious father. Um, so you, you all. Automatically think that because a guy, because your dad's magic that, you, that you're brilliant. I, I'm, I'm not sure. If you, if you, if you speak to Alec McDonald's son, I'm not sure. <laughs> <I'm, laughs> Airdrie fans will remember that It's not been particularly great. So I was kind of holding reservation there. There's been a few, a few uh, sons have come to Airdrie and have not been wonderful, but um, I, I think, I, I think he's capable of bursting a game open. I think that's the kind of player I quite like, you know, and, and I know he'll drift out of games, but that feeling that you've got a guy on the park that you know c- can drop a shoulder and can open the game out and create create something. You know you have to have somebody in that in, in your team like that. And if you don't, then you, you're limited because of it. He has, as Andrew says, he's got really good technique. He's got a good shot. You know, there's there's no two ways about that. He's got good technique in that, um, and I think he's sharp over five yards. I think. Uh, because of the age he is, he's going to need coaching. I don't think his decision making is always the best. And um, there's, there's, there's players he could play in at times and he goes the other way, but that, but that'll obviously come. And I, and I think his passing can be quite slack at times as well. He's about, he can be slack with that. But, uh, but, but all in, you know, w- w- would you rather have somebody like that starting their career with you or resorting to, uh, you know, a, a journeyman that's going to, you know, give you a solid five out of ten every every game. You know, I, I think I would go for the, the unpredictability of the whole thing every day of the week, that that bursting the game open. I, I, when you mentioned it, I, I just, you know, it, it did force me to think about his perspective in air, ending up in Airdrie in the middle of a pandemic, you know, in a team that's probably not firing in all cylinders as well. You know, how, how does that, you know affect you as a young guy being in a foreign country and not being able to go out and do stuff and and what have you, you know, has that, that is bound to have affected his state of mind and his potential, his, his form and his potential. So we've probably, you know, it, it could be forgiven for only having shown 60, 70% of what he's capable of. So I'll, I'll kind of look forward to to things settling down. And if, you know, obviously if we do get back to the games and the pandemic's behind us, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, we get a few months, you know, to see him really, you know, relaxed and uh, and a a, a decent team, you know, showing us what he he can do.
1: Yeah, I think think that's a really good point. I think he looks like that. I mean, obviously, this is all very unscientific, but he strikes you as that kind of player that would relish playing in front of a crowd, Mm. that would relish the opportunity to kind of get them off their seat, that would relish the opportunity to do something that, um, gets the crowd engaged. And, you know, there's, there's a wee bit of um, arrogance to that, which is great. The, the gala streak, I think players, particularly attacking players and game-changing players, need to have if they're going to do the job. As Alan says, he he's an unpredictable player and that you don't know what he's going to do when he's got the ball, which must be horrendous for opponents. I and mean, it does mean that sometimes he'll hit a frustrating free kick at the wall or maybe try and take on one man too many. But it also means that he's going to, every now and again, or quite regularly in November anyway, dip the shoulder, go past somebody and smack one into the top corner. He's he's electrifying. I bought the T-shirt, um, which, if you want to know, um, is a much more snug fit than the the kit. Um, but that's fine. That's uh, maybe one I'll just wear in the house.
0: Um, A lot of people just now are slagging off the Celtic fans for turning up at the stadium and throwing the Harris fence in at police officers and stuff. In my opinion, that T-shirt's worse. And <laughs> 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 when, when they launched it, I was thinking, because there's the, I, I love the uh, picture Robert Dale captured. It's funny, John, Stephen and Robert all sit next to each other and you just get slightly different pictures. But robert Scott. Uh, Tam Rab hitting the shot against Cove and then it's almost like the Maradona picture with about seven Cove players in the shot and, and Kyle Connell's uh, in it which kind of wastes it a wee bit he should have got himself out of it so, you know, but knowing that he scored a goal from that position I'm thinking oh I'll just put that in the t-shirt uh, and then I, I kind of had a panic because I thought that's so stylised it must be like some famous French artist that I'm just not <laughs> clever enough to know why they've worried you were
1: slagging off an old or something
0: Aye, but but I don't I don't even think it is. I don't I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, plenty of people bought it. You're not the only one. I'm obviously just a grumpy old man and not liking it. But uh, and Emma uh, quickly off this podcast was giving me pelters on Twitter for moaning about it. But no, 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 not for me. <laughs> maybe
2: maybe there's a market for for photoshopping uh, memorable goals from every strikers that never scored them. You know the the Stuart Ingram forty yarder, the high you know stuff like that. I think good. Uh, Colin, uh, you're an expert IT guy. You can get yourself. You could make that. I think there's, there's money to be made in that.
0: My Zoom isn't working tonight, so I don't think I can claim that. Uh, that, to you. Um, but what about other Mercurial players down than I mean, yours, Alan? Well, you've. You've seen you've been lucky enough to see Idre for, for longer than us. Who's who are ones that stick out? We've touched on like Stevie Gray before in the the podcast. Right. Um, others that jumped. Jerry, out.
2: Jerry Christie. Jerry Christie was a winger that was just not the fastest, but just could, could beat guys all day long and did it without effortlessly. Um he 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 really got it uh, got me excited. I uh, um Innis McDonald who people will remember as well, the endless Shuffle, that was another one, just used to throw his, throw his foot over that ball about 20 times. And by the 21st time, the guy in front of him either had got bored with, <laughs> with the animation or just had no idea what was happening next. And then this would go the other way. Um, so he, aye, those would be my two that, that, that kind of stand out in memory. And Willie Maguire as well. Willie, Willie was a, had, had a great tan, Tanner Ball ability
0: to use an old I phrase. I think more recently, David Fernandes, we didn't have him for long enough, uh, but uh, in fact, Calderon and Fernandes in the same team uh, both had a, a bit like we're seeing with foreign players this year. The technique does seem to be better for, for whatever reason, um, but rather than being rookie players, I, I mean, Fernandes had had a terrible injury, I think he played or been in the squad for a Champions League semi-final in Deportivo, so he obviously um, had played to level and, and Calderon, I think must have been very good in the, the top league in Spain. Yeah. San Juan had won a cup winner's cup. Was Aragosa? So, so those guys were at the kind of the, the other end of their career to an extent. Um, I'm trying to think of who else we mentioned Paul Harvey earlier. Paul Harvey. Gerard. was uh, A bit like that. We Vary. haven't had many. We haven't had many of late. It's
1: almost like players like that are a little bit unfashionable, aren't they? Yeah. McLaren. Maybe remember Jerome Verrai. I was thinking about Willie McLaren as well, but Jerome Verrae was always good for a. Uh, an interesting bit of play and a kind of fabulous goal every now and again as well. Yeah. He's such a class to him.
2: Aye, aye. Henry Templeton. There's another one. I'll throw that one. Who is is a cousin or a, was that brother or whatever of the guy that played Rangers? Oh, really? I, I didn't yeah. know that. Uncle or something like that. I don't know. But Henry Templeton played in. I'm pretty sure he played in Ali McLeod's team. He was. He, he was. He, he was a good player like that as
0: well. Oh, yeah, he's so,
1: quite exciting. He's man. Um. Harry for the life, of me remember Z- he-
0: Xavier Barreau. Ah, uh, maybe that's him. He was uh,
1: 2008. I remember him getting slagged in the match program after we beat France at Hamden when Walter Smith was a manager. 2007 2006. I quite liked him, he was quite good,
0: but uh, yeah. But we didn't have him for a he went off to Gretna.
1: Aye, that's right. He went to Gretna. Uh, in
0: fact, he went to Gretna and I think only played as a trialist and then they. He didn't take him on, but he'd scored the winner against St Johnson and they only just pipped St Johnson to the league. So uh, he, he had a, a telling contribution. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that it, we really want to get to see uh, to see him play in the stadium. And I was lucky enough to see Newcastle and when Alan Shearer was playing, and it was just the when the ball got to Shearer. Anywhere near goal, just the sense of anticipation in the stadium and everybody being on the edge of their seat. I think he would give us a bit of that. So it'd be, it'd be great to see. It's, it's that, it's back, back to what we're missing.
1: Like Faddy for Scotland in that period, um, which made him a bit of a hero of mine. Um, I was at that exact best age for it. you know. Whenever he got the ball in the final third in a Scotland shirt, he just thought he was going to do something different, something a bit stick out
0: and yeah. I don't even think he was in the final third that goal in Paris it was probably the, the final <laughs> half it was so when far you see the
1: picture uh, with Kyle Connell kind of ruining it there's a great angle of that goal in France where Barry Ferguson is clearly telling him to stop being an idiot and a, and a less polite uh, polite choice of words for taking a shot he's wanting him to keep the ball or pass it or have a bit of possession and give Hold it, it up great. and he's telling him what are you doing and he's wee his wee particular Barry Ferguson way. As Fadi's, his foot is already travelling. I think the ball's actually in the air. It's left his foot already. But it's funny that.
0: It, We're we'll, we'll trying to wrap it up because this, this has been uh, great fun. Much better than talking about current football. <laughs> but um, like the the a question I've got is just are are football fans too tribal these days? So as I've got older, uh, I've started to just. Kind of accept it for for what it is, and it's almost like you say you don't want to miss out. And we hope that one season we will storm to a league title, and we we know how great that can be. But a lot of the time, that's not what's going to happen. Um, but not just not just Airdrie fans looking at everyone, uh, and I include myself in this, so the kind of way that you'll react to games. On pie and the Falkirk fans were raging on Sunday after losing to us, even though they're still sitting pretty at the top of the league, uh, and I wouldn't bet against them for, for promotion. Um, I reckon probably everybody in the league except Montrose, uh, the manager's not really got the full backing of the, the fans, um, and I wonder whether, whether it's social media or whatever it is, is there is there a sense that the expectations are just too high, and really, you just need to take the enjoyment where you can find it. Whether that's, of course, you've got Thomas Robert in your team because you did beat Clyde five nil, and you went up and, and gave four for a bit of a do in the next week, or uh, uh, they need to uh, be a bit more ambitious and not accept so little. <laughs> what, what do you reckon, uh, Alan? What do you think? Are, are, we, are we too critical? I think, in a general sense,
2: I, think, I think in a general sense, I think you're absolutely right. I, I, I constantly look at English football and look at the Premiership, for example. And, you know, you, if you listen to any kind of, kind of phone-in or, or whatever, almost every team in the, the top 10 or so of, of, of the Premiership all their fans think they should be winning the league. You know, and, you know, how an Arsenal fan can can have the, you know, the God, or a Spurs fan can have the God-given right to be challenging to win the league when you've got Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool and whatever else. You know, there I just, I think there's that hype and that expectation and, as you say, the social media that lets everybody hear their opinion. You know, everybody always thinks that they should be, you know, doing a wee bit better than, than they are. I, I think that, most Airdrie fans are pretty realistic about, about about where we are. We're not, you know, we're not the top three or top four of the championship um, that we probably were in the DL era. I'm not saying that with, you know, a, you know, a bit of fortune and and uh, and a good appointment here and there that that we couldn't be. Um, but I think I think everybody is pretty realistic about it. I think the danger, though. Is actually that, that, that maybe we we, we go, go too far the other way and we start to accept underachieving as our level? You know, I, I think we have got every right to be challenging Falkirk this year and, and Partick Thistle. There's no reason not to. Therefore, you know, to be humming and hawing about, you know, or, you know, if, if we can sclap a, a result against Cove or Montrose or something, you know, I, I, I don't I don't buy into that. I, th- I think we have to always aspire to do better. Yeah. Um, I, I, a point I would make is that, and maybe this comes with with age as well, you know that, that, that maybe sometimes we expect too much of part time football players. You know, I, I think that we roll along to our game and we see if an early football player, a part time football player, as a football player in the same way as we would look at Kevin De Bruyne or or, or somebody like that, and we expect. You know, the, the, a consistent performance out of these guys, forgetting the fact that they've uh, they've had a hard day at work, or they're having uh, I don't know trouble at home, or um, or uh, is it they're just tired, or you know this this is not their their prime focus in their life. They have a career somewhere else. Therefore, you know, I, I think that's that's a difficult one to, to to manage, and it's probably a difficult one for foot, for football managers in our league. To deal with as well, you know, I think that's, it's not just putting a football team in the park and getting the tactics right and whatever, because you have got a group of guys that this is maybe not their prime focus. They're maybe struggling for fitness. They maybe, you know, have, you know, they're working hard elsewhere uh, and that, that type of thing. So I, I do I that. I, I think it's a, an added, you know, a, an added managerial thing to deal with that that probably the 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 high quality big managers of the of the scottish premiership or the english premiership don't have to deal with at all you know dealing putting their arm around the guy and dealing with the guy who's just knocked off 10 minutes ago from from his hard hard work on the building site you know that that type of thing
0: yeah you can't even put your arm around him you need to be sympathetic from
2: Aye, aye, too, abs- too, absolutely
0: too and then and then then they're gonna run out and you've got a whole load of guys like us shouting at them for not yeah. giving their all, you know? Mark Wilson said quite an interesting thing when wow, I interesting when he left Airdrie and he I think he saw the right was on the wall with how the next season was gonna go and jumped. Uh, but he made he made a comment about he thought too many Airdrie fans remembered Airdrie from the nineties the and he also said he thought it was possibly because he would played for Celtic. He wasn't well accepted now. Uh, I take real issue with, with both parts of it. I don't think Mark Wilson particularly got much abuse. The team did okay. The team got to the playoffs. Losing to Alois was, was, was really disappointing, but I don't remember, um, people shouting for, for him to get the sack at any point or, or him getting that much abuse. Um, and to the point at the start of this, like that was so long ago. We've, we've been through, this for long and weary now. We're not expecting to to win everything all the time. Um, in the way that, like joked joke to her about the the Celtic fans' reaction is hilarious. Just that how uh, just as things started to go against them, uh, they can't cope with it. We're not in anything like that position. So I think we are actually, um, we are realistic, albeit with. We're still we're, we spoke about it at the start. You're fanatical as a football fan, so that works in the way that you will pay twelve quid to watch a live stream of the game. You'll buy jerseys, you'll do whatever else. But the other side of that is uh, your overreaction to a defeat or whatever. That's that, that the, 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 you can't have one without the other. Uh, Andrew, what do you think? Is, is it, has it changed? Maybe it's maybe it's just always been the same, and there's more outlets for us to actually see it. I think.
1: You've hit on a kind of salient point there. With fanaticism comes a bit of hysteria, right? Fanatics tend to be a bit hysterical at times. And I think there definitely is a bit of hysteria It's part and parcel of being a football fan. So does social media have a part to play in it? To an extent, when your first reaction can be instantaneously transmitted. Every football fan's first reaction to their team getting horsed or their team losing a game that was important, is rage and you know, the sick feeling in the pit of your stomach and that sort of knowing, oh I knew they would do this I knew they would do this to me kind of feeling that you get creeping up the back of your neck so when you can communicate that instantaneous feeling um, across the internet or into a fans group but then feeds itself because everybody else is doing the same thing and that snowballs and turns into something with a bit of momentum of its own but that's not any kind of sentiment that wasn't being shared on the way out the stadium and into the pubs and into the um, clubs and into anything else pre-social media so I don't think it's a social media invention as Alan kind of hinted that it maybe gets exacerbated by things like that Um, and even then you always had football forums, you always had things like the hotline and all that kind of Super scoreboard and all that. Yeah, yeah, but those guys get cut off when they, they say anything remotely <laughs> yeah, dodgy. I,
2: I, I used to remember listening to Radio Clyde's phone in, and, and if you actually, any of the guys that actually came on and literally criticised one of the players, you know, it would be Jimmy Sanderson or somebody like that would be on saying, Oh, I'm not <laughs> going to do. put up with you challenging a professional footballer. Cut off. Yeah. You know, yeah. no, I don't. social media I think,
1: doesn't afford that type of thing. It doesn't afford that. And I think the It's something that happened with rolling news meant that there's so much airtime to fill, so you have to be talking about something. And that's why news media is the way it is. Well, when you've got things like Sky Sports News, the same kind of thing happens. They need to have something to talk about. Uh, Radio 5 Live have a football phone in every night or so. They need to have something to talk about. Sports Sound, all these programmes need to have something to talk about. We don't need anything to talk about. (laughs) They need to generate content. They need to generate engagement with viewers and calls and listeners. So they feed off that as well. They need that. And so it, it does them a favor when it um, starts to get hysterical, because that's they say that's the kind of thing that prints newspapers. You know, if it, if it bleeds, it leads. So if something's in crisis, crisis is the kind of words you throw out. Um, if you're wanting to get a reaction every club's in crisis, Um, I don't think I agree with you guys I don't think beyond the sort of instant reactions you'll see after a defeat which can sometimes get a bit hysterical I don't think the Airdrie fans are in any way um, deluded I don't think they expected to be cantering the league Um, like Alan says though you are in danger of being too accepting of mediocrity, you don't want to just say, "Ah, well, that's fine." Or we, we get we get beat at home off Montrose, right? Well, no worries, that's okay. But we we get. Uh,
0: beat sun still, off. sun still comes up like was on. Fine, yeah. No, I agree.
1: You know, we we can't we can't have that mentality either. Um, and when people cool down, you know, you, you get to Friday. People have said that Saturday night after the defeat, you get to Friday before a game, and everybody's oh, I think we can bounce back now. I think we can dare this, hoping for a good win. And then they'll say something like four nils, their score prediction.
0: So,
1: you know, you go through that cycle in the week after a defeat. Rage, put it behind you, move on and build up. It's just that part of the journey gets missed out on something like a social media. If you were to follow someone's views on social media, all you would see is their outrage at the defeat and then their exceeding optimism just before the next game which makes it almost look um, like a Jekyll and Hyde thing when they've gone through the sort of right well never mind that's moved on now got on with the rest of my week journey that happens off screen or off print so I don't think there's more hysteria necessarily than there's ever been um I think it's maybe just more visible and it's the extremes that are visible because the the extremes that you
0: see um I think your points well made about that's what you would have been saying to your your mates the the, yeah. the, the pub or in the pub or whatever. I think possibly the, the the difficulty with social media whatever is nobody would hear your conversation in in the pub, uh, whereas I think it'd be a good rule for MD involved in the club just don't go on like the Facebook page because yeah. <laughs> like, going on there after a defeat you're not you're not going to do yourself any favors. They'll be hurting too. They'll be wanting to turn it around. So uh, if Ignore it, you wouldn't have have heard me slagging you off in the pub. So, I don't really want to when you see it uh, if I'm right there. And then, maybe the thing for the fancier is, uh, it's would you go out and shout that in the the middle of the street if you thought the player might hear you? Then, uh, do you really want to put it on on, on the the Facebook page or whatever? But, um, yeah, I don't think we're any different to anybody else. Uh, So, yeah, and I think the term part of this season is Sunday's result was the first one that you looked at and you see we've. Been under underdogs there, we've upset the odds. We've had quite a few where it's gone the other way. And that's those are the ones that get the big reactions. Uh, whereas it's great being on the other side of that. You like seeing the Falkirk fans having the overreaction to it. So we just need to hope that for the rest of the season we can win the games we're supposed to win and then start getting the top of Thistle and Falker and, Falkirk and, and uh, arguably even Cove. Well, that's a, a scary thing to say uh, compared to where they were three years ago. I, don't, I, th- I think we've
2: got to watch that we don't over-egg. Cove a wee bit, you know, 1.15 or something isn't it, yeah. it's not yeah, a couple of good players but you know th- th- again, it's not something to be, you know to to, to look at Airdrie and, and 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 walk out onto that part before every game we play against Cove and think we're going to be up against it, yeah, you know, I think that doesn't do us any any credit, any favour, if we, we're talked back to that expectation thing again and the expectation is that we based on the budget that we've had and the, the players that we've brought in and whatever, the expectation has to be that if we don't get promoted out of this league, that we don't get promoted by a ball here, you know, and, and, and if we don't get promoted uh, very, very, you know, uh, narrowly, but, you know, we, we, we give it our good effort and, you know, we, we look back and think we couldn't have done any more than that. I'm not going to be the type of person that's that's going to be throwing my toys out the pram and saying this is a desperate failure. You can only ask of people what you know to do their best. You know what 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 the expectation has to be for every. I think is that we don't you know sink into some kind of mediocrity and we we end up being sixth or seventh in the league, hoping that we get two or three results that put us back to fourth again. And um, then we fall back. Then we we get a wee run again and we end up. Fourth, chasing that playoff position, you know that 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 to me is underachievement yeah. for a club for a club like here because you know deep down that if we got into that playoff position, there's not the forum there to to suggest that we're going to make a fist of you know four games to get us into the, the league above us. You know I think we're slightly better than that, um, but as I say, if we fail by you know making a real fist of it, nobody's going to criticise anybody for doing that.
0: I think you're, you've touched on something there, Alan. That's probably where we are, or or that's slightly unfair. Last season, we were robbed of a playoff place, right? I think with just a level of confidence that we would have been in there it was it was tight, but we were in the playoff places when it when it got called. Uh, and but but for I mean, how long have we been in this league? And for a league where something happens to six of the teams at the end of the season, only once have we made the playoffs in in what about ten years? We are that team that finishes like fifth, sixth, seventh, uh, and that's, that's probably there's that, a bit of pain and frustration. That's not what we want, uh, and that's what we've had for too long. So you're now hoping that there, there seems to be a bit more investment. We can finally shake that off, and then when it doesn't happen, then that's when you, you, you really start to struggle with it. Indeed.
1: I think that's, I think that's um, pretty much where we are, as you say, but I think I kind of feel that we're going to recreate last season, you know, I, th- I think we'll be in and amongst the top four in some form or the other, come the end up, and then it will be about you know where we go from there. It looks like what we look on, we're, we are points wise on track for the same as last year. Um, it's just that last year didn't finish. Yeah. Um, so we'll see where we are. As Alan yeah. says, it's 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 the manner. If we don't go up via the playoffs then you're hoping that it's after a narrow playoff defeat, ideally in the final. Um, you look back on, you were talking about Matt Wilson and the Aloha team, you look back on them, and not only did that Aloha team end up going up, so beating us and then going all the way through, but they, they've stayed up. They've no yeah. come back down. And the manager that they had at the time, Jim Goodwin, is now a manager in the in the top division with St Mirren, and is going through to, uh, he's going to Hamden. In a cup semi final, um, and is fighting for a top six place, so th- they obviously had something about them. And if you if you go out to someone in that sort of scenario, you can look back and go right, okay, it's not the end of the world, because there was, yeah, an almost to it. Know, yeah. it yeah. Look, looking at your wee
2: Sky Sports app at the end of the game and seeing fifty percent possession, seventeen shots at goal, nine on target. But we didn't win. I, I can forgive people for that. It's thirty percent possession, two shots at goal, none on target. You know that—that's when you, you look at it and think something's not working there. So fingers crossed, it's the former and not the latter that they're looking at. Come the end of the season, when I was going to say come May, April, May, but when will this season ever yeah. finish? I have no idea. I've lost complete track of everything really. <laughs>
0: Right, do we need to wrap this up I'll finish with a, this is a thing that shocked me to the course you mentioned possession stats there. do you know how possession stats are done? I would imagine it's a wee guy with a clicker
2: that, that, that clicks it when, when an airdrie player kicks the ball, and doesn't he click it again until in post-player
1: clicks it? Is that right? And that's he's what I, biased that's, against that's, us. He definitely is biased against us. I know
0: what, I know what <laughs> that's, what, that's what I always thought, right? There must be somebody whose job is, especially when it was the big game on the TV that he's sitting with, like his, his white button for Airdrie and his blue button for Falkirk and he just has to go between them, and then some fancy computer works out who made the ball. It's not done that way at all. You take the total number of passes in a game, completed passes, uh, and then you just it's just a percentage of that. So if Adrian are shown as forty percent possession, and again, where there's been ten thousand passes, that means that we completed four thousand of them because it's just too difficult to do it that other way because a lot of times the ball's in the air or whatever. So all it is is a measure of completed passes because that's something. Somebody up- must, must be complete, counting the completed yeah. passes.
2: So that, so there is some pressing. About- kind of a then. that's a better idea.
0: <laughs> no, he's, he's, better. He's, he's got his clicker, but it's doing a different thing. I, he's, but that blew my mind. I assumed that it was like the time that, that like you'd last touched the ball, but that let's see when you get these ridiculous stats where Man City have got seventy three percent possession or whatever, then you think of their style of football of just pinging it about all the time. Uh, that 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 starts to make it make much more sense to me rather than the other team were just never in possession of the ball I
1: kind of never really care about the possession one so much I think um, shots and shots and target and corners tends to tell you how often you've been up the other you know up at the other team's goal You've been that you've been on the attack I feel like mm. Because okay. I,
2: I wondered why we kept, our back four kept passing it back and forward to each other for a while. Then I, <laughs> I realised, they're just trying to get the sky stats up a wee bit here. You know, back and forward, back and forward. Get it up the park. No, <laughs> Look pass, at my
1: pass accuracy. Look at my accuracy stats. <laughs> every every four-yard pass to the goalie, spot on. All
0: right. <laughs> yeah, guys, that's, I've really enjoyed that. Um, thank you for coming on. Everybody who's listening, I well, hope, hope that you have got better things to do than listen to this on Christmas Eve. But I hope you had a great Christmas by the time you've listened to this. And we see it all the time. Look after yourselves. Hope to get back to the stadium and see all the, the, the well-known faces soon. Uh, and, uh, let's, yeah, let's hope it's going to see Edry on a promotion push. Uh, and all these things that we've talked about missing will be absolutely amplified by the, the performance of the team. But, but thank you both for coming on. No oh, problem. Thank you for having me. All the best. Thanks for listening to the OTL Podcast. You've heard from Andrew and Alan. If you'd like to read more about them, you can. Andrew's got his blog at Idle Hands Duffy. you'll find his excellent match reports. Alan, who, as I mentioned in the podcast, hides his light under a bushel far too much, has a few written works out there. If you go onto Amazon and search for Alan Porteous, you'll find his short story collection and also his book Glory Hunting. If you're missing your match day fix and you enjoy travelling to watch Airdrie, I'd recommend it to you. It's a fictional work tracking a team loosely based on Airdrie as these travel around all the grounds in Scotland, including our own. So Amazon, search for Alan Portis, and please support him.